Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. When you think about a person dealing with homelessness, who do you picture? Regardless of what you're envisioning, the picture of who's actually unhoused in the U.S. has changed pretty drastically over the years. It is not the individual that is male, stumbling with a a brown paper bag, uh, kind of uh, burdened with an addiction or probably with the trauma of the Vietnam era conflict. This is Reverend Dwight Ford. He's the director of a community action organization called Project Now. The new face of homelessness is a woman that works every day with a good cell phone and a nice SUV. Uh, But those are the paraphernalia of a life once lived. They're actually sleeping in that SUV in a Walmart parking lot and taking their kids to a Casey's bathroom to wash up at a gas station and go to school. They may, in fact, maybe find one day a week Uh, to be with a family member or a friend, uh, and then maybe one day every other week, a hotel room to try to give their children a break and a reprise from going back to sleeping in that vehicle. It's Mm -hmm. a hard reality, but homelessness has already changed. Dwight's organization offers a bunch of services to pull people out of poverty and homelessness over in northwestern Illinois. But today I'll talk to Dwight about something that has statewide implications for the unhoused population and for a particular group of people they interact with at times. The Illinois State Police releasing its first ever guidebook for officers on how to handle homeless individuals and connect them with resources. The joint effort was made by state police, local police departments, the state of Illinois, and Project Now. This was announced late last year, and it has a very on-the-nose name, the Illinois Law Enforcement Response to Homelessness Guidebook. Project Now helped develop the guide with the Illinois State Police. Most law enforcement are going to be the ones that will be called for the public safety or public concern of individuals long after our hours or doors have shut for the evening. Dwight told me that police interactions with people who are unhoused often fall into two categories, either to check in on the person or to remove them from the premises. Beyond that, historically, many police departments have taken a lock-em-up approach to the unhoused, which gets them out of sight and out of mind, but doesn't necessarily help them. Dwight says the guidebook is a way to bring more compassion and dignity to the process and understanding to all parties involved, because mostly we're all just people trying to do the right thing, and sometimes we all need a little help with that. I'll talk to Dwight about all this. But first, we get into how the guidebook might get used out in the real world. Say, you know, we're talking about, you know, this woman that you described, right? She's she's living in her car. Maybe she has a child or two in there with her. Um, an officer approaches her because the officer sees that, you know, this is this is a person dealing with homelessness, right? Um, how would the protocol change, right, according to the guide, um, given given that type of circumstance? I believe most officers begin any conversation or should begin any conversation with someone that they suspect to be experiencing homelessness or unhoused was simply asking kind of a very elementary, how are you doing tonight? 
or this morning. Um, you know, I got a couple of calls and they just wanted me to come out and just check on you to see if there's anything that we could do. And after being briefed on what homelessness can look like now, I think officers will be much more equipped to not just ask the beginning or primary question, but another set of questions. It's never our first question that gets us down the road to a possible solution. It's the next set of questions. And knowing how to appropriately assess those environments with that individual, how not to shame, because the principal suffering of the poor is shame and disgrace. So people are already feeling bad. If they recognize that you have a badge and they have children, they feel protective and they will find a way to cover up. But after you look in and see half of a home possession piled up in the back seat, then you can often start saying, you know, uh, I don't know what you've come through, but it looks like you've probably had a, a tough, tough season. I, I have a QR code that allows me to scan. And if you just would happen to need help and services, mm. I don't mind making that phone call for you if it's your desire. Um, sometimes people like to own the agency for themselves and say, well, I can, I, I'm okay. And, you know, but it's that conversation. If we are much more relational in our approach toward each other rather than transactional, I'm here to remove you off premises. I'm here to do that. If that never even comes up, if it comes up with asking questions to better understand what you are going through or why for the last three nights I've seen this car under this parking light at the Walmart parking lot. Yeah. That's a different set of questions because then it's person-centered, not project-oriented, mm -hmm. that I came to get you off premises. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me what are some of the key tenets, top level, kind of what, what does one kind of see as headers as they're going through the guide? The insights that are in it are gained from individuals with lived expertise and experience, individuals who have experienced homelessness as well. I see. Uh, you'll be able to get a better understanding of the causes. Unemployment and underemployment is still a reality. People still don't have enough. The floor of economic stability is shifting. And then the lingering effects of uh, inflation. We also look at data uh, where we talk about equity. And essentially, Blacks in Illinois are seven times more likely than their white counterparts. Uh, and that's because of a longstanding uh, history of race-based policies and housing discrimination and employment discrimination that still drags uh, as weights upon the ankles of those that are trying to move forward in life. And so all of these inf uh, informational tools are in there mm -hmm. to help people understand that it's just not a person that won't get a job. They're not individuals trying to get something for nothing. They're everyday people, families that are trying to grasp what a number of different challenges that are doing uh, what most Americans are doing making decisions every day, some good, some bad, uh, some uh, that cannot be judged. Uh, most of us that make a bad decision has have a safety net um, where someone can come in and step in when the bottom falls out. Sometimes people don't have that. And this guidebooks allows us to bring resources to them. Mm -hmm. What is the philosophy on managing homelessness at Project Now? Wow. Uh, so, of course, we want to 
connect with the uh, state commitment to make sure that uh, homelessness is brief, rare, and non-reoccurring. Yes. But homelessness actually is a part of our overall goal uh, to mm. end prevent the causes of poverty. Uh, so we recognize that the fastest way to work people up and out of poverty uh, to assist that journey is to secure housing. Housing is uh, the anchor to all other opportunities. You can't talk to a person about education or pursuing uh, economic opportunities, anything long-term, when they're unstable. Uh, when the floor is essentially shifting underneath them, they're sleeping on pillows and pallets uh, from house to house. The data reveals that only 20 to 25 percent of people that are unhoused have a mental illness that prevents them from taking advantage of the opportunities. So they're severely uh, challenged with mental illness. That's only 20 to 25 percent. I know that number is large, but it's not everyone. Mm -hmm. We do know that substance abuse uh, is a challenge, but we also know that the number one contributor at this time is that people are being priced out. When you're paying 70 to 80% of your monthly income to rent or mortgage, it is unstable. And once they fall behind the eviction process, and maybe your family is awful tired of you going through this you know, for the last two years, and they can't do it anymore with you in it, in their home, then we'll understand that we don't make judgments about what people are doing or taking advantage of a system simply because they have a better cell phone than you. They may be holding their entire life together on this home computer that can fit into a pocket. Yeah, The kids may be doing homework on it. Yep. Applying for jobs on it. Applying for yeah. jobs. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that overview. That was, um, I know that'll be extremely enlightening um, for some folks. Um, I'm curious about the applied components. Um, do you have a sense of how Illinois police departments would take this guide and, and make some applicable changes um, to their practices? Uh, well, I'm glad you asked that because as it stands now, the Illinois uh, Department of Law Enforcement as a whole, their governing sanction has adopted this guidebook and all of the officers that will be licensed uh, and graduate from the academy will be reviewing this guidebook before graduation. It's a part of the curriculum. I see. And um, local law enforcement agencies will have the responsibility to be trained it's important to think state, it's important highway uh, patrol persons, but it's also uh, thinking about those, uh, what we used to call beat cops, the ones that will walk the streets and be more uh, tangible and touchable to everyday yes. citizens. But it's also the sheriff's department. And lest we forget that when an eviction order has been issued by a judge, it is the sheriff that stands there. And it's not because they take joy in being there what a person having all their possessions dumped out on the side of the street and having to execute that order. Some of them would love to have resources um, that are accessible. I see. Have you seen or heard so far of any pushback from other entities or for, you know, from folks? I mean, I know that this this guide in a lot of ways deviates from how police and enforcement agencies have historically dealt with homelessness. Um, it's been a kind of a lock them up philosophy in the past. I wonder if folks are maybe still on that um, or if you've come across folks who have pushed back 
against this? I'm thankful for locally have not. Okay. Those officers, more often than not, that are assigned to that area are very sensitive. Some of them have taken money out of their pockets. Some of them have um, asked a friend or two or three of them to get together and get a hotel room for a family or for an individual. Uh, So we've seen great acts of compassion and trying to do the best they can. Now, with that said, I'm not saying that there aren't individuals whose uh, soul has been calloused uh, over and hardened because of whatever reason or experiences that they may have had. Uh, With that, I'm hoping that there's a better sense of collective will and personal responsibility to push back against any kind of uh, uh, behavior or mindset that would contribute to the hurt and harm of another individual. It's unacceptable. I will say, though, to your point, this does uh, kind of interrupt or disrupt Uh, patterns and practices and of what some may have been used to. Our responsibility is to be present with people, to support those and help those that help others, and to provide resources so that when they do show up, they're not standing there trying to say, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to leave here. I don't know where you're going to go, but you can't stay here. Uh, That kind of mentality that a person would take an extra few minutes, utilize the QR code, or uh, engage in some of the resources that we've made available so that when they do, in fact, hit the street or hit the cruiser, they feel much more equipped to be able to respond appropriately. Uh, And I pray that that is the outcome that we'll see here. You are a Baptist minister, pastor of Grace City Church in Rock Island, Illinois. The congregation I read calls you the people's pastor. They're gracious. (laughs) Yes. Um, What's coming to mind for me knowing that is compassion. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how compassion came up for you when you embarked upon working with with this guide. Thank you for asking. Uh, You know, I'm in a unique position and I'm very fortunate. I look out of one office into another. Literally, the church I pastor is right across the street from the agency I lead. Oh, wow. And so for me, the associated theology that um, that I appropriate and use as a pastor has always been on a more social gospel. In a sense, are we concerned about one soul's destination? Absolutely. Um, that's what the clergy assignment is. But it's not the only assignment. Uh, we also have a responsibility of securing bodies as we secure souls. And mm-hmm. so if we're offering salvation for one soul, shouldn't we offer a bodily salvation as well? The old historical uh, point of uh, our pietistic commitments, and there's nothing wrong with them. I appropriate them and, and grasp and cling to them dearly. Pietistic? We, yeah, piety. And one, as one gets right, so to speak. Gotcha. And so we used to sing uh, old narratives like this, uh, get right church and let's go home, you know, making our way uh, back heavenward, as, as one would say. But we also, in addition to that, have to get right so that while we're here, life doesn't become Hades on earth. Mm. And if I care about where they will sit on padded pew, surely I should think about where they will lay their head in their home, Mm. or if they have one, if they will essentially worship 
with giving in the church, I should surely think about whether or not they have enough to eat or if they have a job. If I, in fact, uh, care about if they participate in a ministry, I should also want to know if they are socially isolated and have 5,000 Facebook friends and no one to talk to. Mm. That is the reality we have to have essentially one foot in that world where they exist. Now, we, we believe for those that have that as a profession of faith uh, in a life beyond this, but you got a lot of living to do before you get to that point. And we don't want people living in trauma. And we don't want people living in terror. We don't want people uh, displaced, unhoused. We don't want people uh, that have survived rape, molestation, and incest without a place to heal and to have dignity restored and a future regained. Mm. That, that is how I understand this work. And so for me, our church has the same five principles uh, as this agency, housing, healthcare, education, economics, and justice. See, for us, justice is not some political term. Mm. Justice is love dressed in work clothes. Mm. You can't get around reading the prophets without understanding justice. Woe unto them that legislate evil and make women and children pray. That That is an, a text. You can't get around that. Yeah. And that make them into pray. Is the, yes. is the connotation there, yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, make them into pray. Yes. Mm -hmm. We have to have an ability to push back against that which has been normalized. We should mm -hmm. never accept the fact that we're riding past people every day, laying on the side of the street, and act as if this is normal. Something in us should be broken. Something in us should ask a set of questions. Something in us should demand that we get involved in the ways that we can. I'm not asking everybody to come out of their profession and do what I do, but there is something you can do as a banker or a lawyer or as an entrepreneur, as an individual that works in city government. There's mm -hmm. something you can do. Yes. But again, I go back to my, uh, my expectation for tomorrow and hope, because if I don't have hope for tomorrow, I won't have strength for today. This does not have to be permanent. We can take homelessness to functional zero. Rare, brief, and non-reoccurring. We can do that regardless of what we face every day. We as a community can do that. Reverend Dwight Ford is the executive director of Project Now. Thank you so much. And thank you again. The guidebook, if you want to learn more about it, can be found on the Illinois State Police website. And that's it for today. Thank you to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Clee for editing the show. Brendan Banizak is our executive producer. Our theme music is by Louis Weeks. And The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is a part of the NPR Network. 
If you really got something out of this episode, please give us a rating, give us a review. We like five stars. It helps more people find the show. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening to The Rundown. I'll talk to you tomorrow. 